Well, as we we begin this morning, I want to preface the sermon by saying that there's a very real enemy, the devil, who would love to keep us from seeing the worth of Christ and the joy that comes from our Messiah. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 teaches us that Satan is on a mission to veil, put a veil around the gospel and to blind the eyes of unbelievers. Lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the express image of God, should shine on them. And yet we serve a sovereign God who does the opposite, doesn't he? He can, on this morning, cause the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the express image of God, to shine onto each one of us this morning. We could talk about exuberant joy. And what that looks like. But it is, it is a joy this morning to know that we have a Holy Spirit and part of the fruit of the Spirit is joy. And one of the things that God can do in our hearts on this morning is give us joy regardless of our circumstances. He can give us joy in Christmas that He does, a work that He does. And so... I'm praying, and I have been praying, that that is exactly what the Lord would do in our sanctuary here amongst the saints here at Reverence this morning, that there would be joy that God works in our hearts this morning. God's able to make those who are blind see, and he's able to command light to shine out of darkness. And so, this morning, we're looking at Luke chapter 2 and verse 8. We'll look at verses 8 through 15. Now there were many, or now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill towards men. And so it was. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. Here we find the Lord specifically going and reaching out to people that we would look at as probably some of the most unexpected people to receive a message like this. The shepherds were some of the lowest people in society. Read that shepherds were were those who were so looked down upon that their testimony wasn't valid in court. They're those that are out in the field, they were poor, and they were considered unclean. And it was to these people that God sends his angel to. Now think about the angel for a moment. He And the other angels had seen a lot up until this point. They've witnessed the majesty, 
the glory, the power, the love, the grace, the mercy of God throughout the, the history of the world. And the result of this was that they would stand in complete awe of God, worshiping him day and night. They're amazed at, at his love and grace, and, and, and they're amazed that he would save us. They look into our salvation, and we're told that, that they look diligently into like our salvation, how God has saved us. And his worth grows before their eyes as they see the next act of love and grace and kindness and mercy going all throughout redemptive history. But there's another characteristic of these, these angels that I want to point out this morning. And that is that they are filled with joy and they want us to be filled with joy as well. He says specifically in our text, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. In Job, when we look at him describing, God describing to Job what took place when he created everything. He gives a description and, and, and is, is rebuking Job, but he says, Were you there when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? To what were its foundations fastened? Or who laid its cornerstone? And then he says, when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy, the angels. You picture God in creation. When we think of the angels and what took place, they were there. And when he saw, when they saw God create the earth, they started to sing together and all of them shouted for joy. Can you picture that? They're watching God speak things into existence. They're watching God do incredible things as he creates heavens and the earth. And as they're seeing these things take place, they start singing. Joyful, joyful singing taking place. And it tells us that they shouted for joy. So filled with joy upon looking at God creating. The source of their joy was not that he was their savior. The source of their joy was not in the gifts that he had given them. The source of their joy was in God alone. It was in God. Their joy was based in who their God was, his character, his attributes, his beauty, his glory. That's what their joy was in. They're singing in joy towards him and they're shouting out in joy. As they witness his power and his glory, just watching him. We see in Isaiah 6.3 a picture of more angels where What's being said is, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Crying out, holy, holy, holy. The whole earth is 
full of his glory. In Revelation 4.8, we see the four living creatures, each having six wings, who were full of eyes around and within, and they didn't rest day or night, and we're told that they were saying, not resting day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Not resting day or night, praising God. They're in awe of his holiness. Holy, holy, holy. They're in awe of his power. Lord God Almighty. Almighty. They're in joyful awe of the fact that he is eternal. He cannot change. And he'll always be faithful. Saying, who was and is and is to come. And they're in joyful awe of his glory. The whole earth is full of his glory. Joy and singing and amazement at their God simply for who he is. The angels have seen the fall of man. They've seen the extent of man's sins. They've seen the wrath of God on Lucifer and a third of the fallen angels. They've seen God's judgment on sinful man through the times of Noah and countless other times over the thousands of years from the time of Adam to the coming of Christ. They affirm what God says and and that the inclinations of man's heart were only evil continually. They've watched all of this. But they also saw grace. They saw God's grace on a remnant. They heard God make covenants. They heard the promise of the Messiah and they waited eagerly for that day. And now, as we look at the beginning of the New Testament, as we look at the account of Christmas, we find them being able to announce... After watching creation, after watching everything that has taken place, the fall, covenants, grace, prophecies given of Messiah who is to come, they now get to announce that Christ has come. Go go back a chapter with me to Luke chapter 1, verse 11. Let's look at some people and, and how the angels made these things known to them. And let's look how the people responded. In in Luke chapter 1, verse 11, it says that an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Now, this is to Zacharias, the priest who would be the father of John the Baptist. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled. Fear fell upon him. Now, it is, you're going to, if you do a study on angels, you'll find that this is a common response to being in front of angels. I know that at some point in art history, they changed angels from being powerful beings to chubby babies. And I think that, that, that part of the reasoning is honestly just the enemy wanting you to look upon angels as not all that real and not all that powerful and not all that glorious, but person after person in Scripture, you see that just fear comes upon them in the presence. So here's what the angel says to him. Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And And you will have joy and gladness, 
and many will rejoice at his birth. So the angel's starting out like, don't be afraid. God heard your prayer. Your barren wife, your wife who has never had children, who is in her older years, is going to have a baby. But the result is going to be joy and gladness. Not just for you, but for others as well. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. This is what he's going to do. He's going to come and he is going to make ready a people prepared for the Lord who is to come. And so here's this angel gets to come to Zacharias and announce, you're going to have a son This is what's going to happen. Joy and gladness are going to be there. And your son is going to be the one to prepare the way of the Lord. To make the people ready for the coming of Christ who is to come. And Zechariah says to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. Now this is like, (laughs) can you picture it? Well, how do I know it's going to happen? Because I'm Gabriel, and I stand in the presence of God. Like, that's my job. That's what I do. That's where I am from. And, (laughs) And he was sent to speak to you, to bring you glad tidings. I was sent specifically to you to give you something to be incredibly joyful about. But behold, you'll be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. You didn't believe me? No talking. <laughs> Nine months and eight days. You, you, you're, you cannot talk for the next nine months if you don't believe me. Here the angel is so excited to tell Zacharias these things. And the first thing he finds is unbelief. So Zacharias, no talking. If you go ahead to verse 59, so it was on the eighth day that they came to circumcise the child and they would have called him by the name of his father, Zacharias. And his mother answered and said, no, he shall be called John. But they said to her, There is no one among your relatives who is called by this name. And so they made signs to the father that he would, what he would have him called. And he asked for a writing tablet and he wrote saying, his name is John. And so they all marveled. Immediately his mouth was open and his tongue loose and he spoke praising God. First thing that comes out of his mouth is praising God. His name is John, he writes down. And his tongue is loosed at that moment. And he just starts praising him. His first reaction wasn't great, but his second reaction was outstanding. 
praising God. Then he has a lot to say after that. The Lord has been working in his heart and and, and he's going to prophesy to the people at that, at, in the next verses there. Look at verse 67. Now his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied saying this. Now notice just the heart of what he says and how he says it. He's just, he's heard that he's going to have a son. He's heard that his son's going to prepare the way of the Lord. He starts praising God, and now he says this. Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. And he's raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham to grant grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest, for you will go before the face of the Lord and prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of God with which the day spring from on high has visited us to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. This guy gets it, doesn't he? At first, he responds improperly. Now he's looking at it and saying to his son, this is what you're going to do. This is what God has done and this is what God is doing. And you can just tell in him, it's just... He is absolutely full of joy, praising God, thrilled at what God is going to do, and just looking forward into anticipation of the Messiah who is to come. When, when an angel appeared to Joseph, we're told that, that he said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary your wife for your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. The first chance that he gets to talk to Joseph. Joseph, don't be afraid. Take her as your wife. But the one that's coming that will be inside her womb is Jesus. He'll be called Jesus, and this is what he's going to do. He'll save his people from their sins. Here's Joseph there like, what do I do? Just said my betrothed wife is going to be with child. Marry her. Don't be afraid. Marry her. And the angel gets to tell him he is going to save his people from their sins. The weight of that, you look at the, the, this angel just looking upon mankind and the way man, man has responded from the time of the fall. Seeing all that has taken place, murder after murder after murder, stealing people 
wandering away from the Lord their God, cursing God, making idols, God blessing them, them complaining, all that had taken place. And, and here the angel gets to say, he's finally come. And he's going to save his people from their sins. He's going to save them. He's going to save his people from their sins. If you look at Luke chapter 1, verse 28, we see an angel coming again to, to Mary. And he says in Luke 1, 28, Rejoice, rejoice, highly favored one. You see it coming up over and over again? Rejoice. There's, these, these are glad tidings. This is something that, that should cause us to be filled with just incredible joy. Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she, but when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and, and considered what manner of greeting this was. And then the angel says to her this, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great. And he will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Do you get the idea that this angel is just amazed at who his God is? Amazed at what he is doing? There, there, there's not a... I've got another message. It's, don't be afraid, Rejoice. Here's what is about ready to take place. That this should cause so much joy inside of you. This is what God is doing. This is what we have been waiting for. That there is coming one inside you who is going to be him, who is going to be the one that will be on the throne of your father David. He'll reign over the house of Jacob forever. Of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary says to the angel, How can this be since I, I do not know a man? And the angel answered and says to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also, that Holy One is to be born, who is to be born will be called the Son of God. When the angel is looking upon all of creation... Gabriel, standing there by the throne of God. These angels that have just watched him throughout history. Seeing his glory. Knowing that, that they serve one in whom in heaven there is no need for the sun because of him shining in all of his brilliance. The one in whom they worship day and night. To wrap their minds around a God like that who is going to be born in a stable and laid in a manger, whose kingdom will be 
forever. There'll be no end. And he will save his people from their sins. The angel is in awe of the God of this universe. In awe. Looking at the people in whom he is allowed to announce this to. And being able to tell them over and over again, don't be afraid, rejoice. This this is good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. This is the best thing that could have ever happened. This is who your God is. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her, who was called barren. And then the angel says this, For with God, nothing will be impossible. Nothing's impossible with him. Their view of God, the angel's view of God, is just such that, like, praise him. Everybody, praise him. All of us, ten thousands times ten thousands and thousands and thousands. Or you see in next scripture and in other places, an innumerable number of angels. You, you can't even number them. And they praise him. And they don't rest day or night. And they praise him like that. And the reason why is because they see him for who he is. And I bring up again, it's not because of the gifts. It is simply because of who he is. They're not praising him because he died for them. They're not praising them, him because he's given them gifts. They're praising him just simply for who he is. And they're telling person after person, praise him like that. With God, nothing will be impossible. We have watched him, and there's nothing too hard for him. Nothing will be impossible for him. He can do all of these things, and he's doing them. Look at verse 38. Here's Mary's response. Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to the city of Judah. So her first response is, I'm going quickly. Goes to the city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened. When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, that the babe leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then she spoke out with a loud voice saying, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. And so Elizabeth's response is (laughs) incredible joy at seeing Mary. Incredible joy and faith and believing in this is going to happen. Christ is going to come. But even the little infant there in in his mother's womb, six months old, 
his response to Mary coming into the room with Christ in her womb, his response is to leap in Elizabeth's womb for joy. For joy. Even the six-month-old baby in his mother's womb was leaping for joy, joy in his heart at being even in the presence of his Savior in the room. We see right after that in verse 41, I'm sorry, um, in verse 46, here's Mary's response. My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. See it again, right? Worship and joy. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. I'm nothing. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has shattered or scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. She gets it. Go back to verse 47 again. And my spirit has rejoiced in what? In God, my Savior. She gets it. In God, my Savior. Savior, there's joy. When the wise men saw the star, Matthew tells us, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. There is joy that comes when you see who your God is. You see his character. You see his attributes. And it rejoices even more when you see what he has done. The gifts that come from him. If God never saved one person, those angels still would have shouted for joy. You know that? If God destroyed the whole earth and his wrath came upon all, they would still be joyfully praising the God of this universe. If he had saved just a couple of us, it would have been praiseworthy as far as the grace of God. But to think that there's those that are in heaven singing a song saying, 
for you were slain. You've redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You've saved people from every tribe, tongue, people, nation. You've saved us who are here this morning who believe in you. You've saved us. It's no wonder that right after that is cried out, sung there in heaven, we're told that there is many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousands times ten thousands and thousands and thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is a lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. They're amazed at the God of this universe. There's joy there for the angels. These angels shouted for joy when God created everything. But you know what else they also shout for with joy? Luke 15.10 tells us, There is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. It's just joy that's there again. Another sinner repented. Look at what God did. Another one. I mean, who would have thought that one? Look at what God did. Look at how he has saved. Joy that's there. And so here's these shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Angel comes to them, Luke 2. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel says to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there's born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. On this day, there was a day. There was born to you a Savior. A Savior. The Messiah who would save you from your sin. And you know who it is? It is Christ the Lord. This is good tidings of great joy. How do we respond? You see the response of Zacharias. You see the response of Elizabeth. You see the response of John the Baptist. You see the response of Joseph. You see the response of Mary. You see the response of the shepherds. You see the response of the wise men. You see the response of many who have gone before us. Do we respond with praise? And do we respond with joy? And do we respond on counting the awesomeness of our God, the faithfulness of our God? Do we praise Him like that? The source of our joy is God. There's a common thread throughout all mankind, and that's a desire for joy, right? 
You hear people say things like, I, I just want to be joyful. I just want to be happy. If I just had this, or if I just had that, or only if my circumstances were a little bit different, if I had more money, if, or if I had better health, or if I had better relationships, if only this one thing was different, then I would be happy. And the angel proclaims, no, there are good tidings of great joy. And the reason why is it is Christ the Lord. Not circumstances. It is Christ the Lord. This is good tidings of great joy. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. And when all the angels hear this, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill towards men. Can you picture it? You are going to find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger, and all of them together at that point. (laughs) Glory to God in the highest. What kind of God do we serve? Look at what he did. The announcement's been made on earth, peace and goodwill towards men. He is going to save his people. Glory to God in the highest. Our God is worthy of that kind of praise. All of them together praising him like that. And brothers and sisters, he didn't die for them. They're just amazed that he died for us, that he came for us. And so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us go now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. There is joy for the Christian that the world does not know. There's joy for the angels that no unbeliever could ever understand. But that joy also comes for us, doesn't it? We look at Christmas and we look at it coming and, and, and we think of, of joy to the world. And what that means to us is just absolutely precious. Some people don't even understand it. They don't know what it means. It means nothing to them. I was so blessed to be in the Persian market buying my produce this last week because it's really good produce and it's really cheap. And so I'm in there and there's just Christmas carols going while I'm shopping. I mean, it was solid theology just playing over the loudspeakers and I'm like, oh, I hope they're all listening. I hope they're all listening to this. I mean, great doctrine right there through the Christmas carols. But for some people, they hear it and it just... They don't get it. For the believer, we do. We see who our God is, and we respond with joyful, joyful praise, exuberant joy. The quality of this joy is different than anything the world can offer. Think about the joy of a, of a Christian. In Hebrews chapter 10, 
says, you had compassion on me and my chains. And you joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Who can joyfully accept the plundering of their goods? Unless they're those who know that they have a more enduring possession for themselves in heaven. They know their God and the things of this world don't matter to them because they know who their God is. They joyfully accept the plundering of their goods. In Acts chapter 5, after the, the apostles had been beaten and commanded that they should not speak the name of, the, of Jesus. It tells us that they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. The kind of joy that these angels are talking about, the kind of joy that you see within believers, is the kind of joy that says, you just beat me. And I can rejoice that I was counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. In Matthew 13, 44, Jesus says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. There's joy. Such joy that it's just, I'll give up everything for him. For him. Christ is our all-surpassing treasure. As a result, we're full of joy that he's come and he's given himself to us. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, Paul says, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh... This will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to be, to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. The joy that comes from Christ makes it so it's just, I don't know what I would pick. I, I just, I want to be with him. To live as Christ, to die is gain. Peter says it like this, Whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Right? As believers, we, we don't see him. Yet believing, you rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and full of glory. There is a joy that we have, and that we are a people who know our sovereign God, who's in control of all things, and who shines in brilliance, and who loves like no one has ever loved, and who has grace that abounds, and a God who shows mercy and kindness, and a God who works all things together for his good, and a God who seals us for the day of redemption, a God who will come back for us and bring him to himself, and and his 
in the heavens, there are many mansions. If it weren't so, he would have told us he has done these things. He's made a way for us to spend eternity with him. And so we praise him. We love him. The gifts of Christ are great because Christ is great. We treasure Christ. Christ is trustworthy, therefore we can trust him. He's righteous, therefore he can be our righteousness. He's gracious, therefore we can be recipients of abounding grace. He's sufficient, therefore he can be our all-sufficient Savior. He's perfect in the perfect, unspotted Lamb of God, therefore he can be the sacrifice for our sins. Christ is one with the Father, therefore he can be our mediator with the Father. We could go through and everything about him makes it so that the gift comes. But it's sourced in the Him. Our treasure is Christ. It's Christ. There could be joy in Him alone. And then after that, look at all the blessings that come. I pray that that's instilled in our hearts and still the hearts of our children this Christmas. It's not about the gifts. It's about our God. There can be joy. Joy that's exuberant. Because we have a God that is the source of everything joyful. Everything perfect. Everything good. And unto him, let's close with singing praises to him. Lord God, we thank you for this time in your word. It's awesome to look at the way the angels respond to who you are. The way Zacharias and Elizabeth and John the Baptist and Joseph and Mary, the shepherds, the wise men responded to seeing that a Savior is coming and it's Christ the Lord. I, I pray that that those that these two things would just be what we bleed over this Christmas season and until you return praise and joy may there be praise and joy and joyful praise and exuberant joy and worship with all that is within us as we celebrate this Christmas for you are our God and you're worthy of such praise Pray these things in Jesus' name.